0: many strange things happen around here there is a tale it was a night like tonight many years ago
1: there is a legend
0: if you say his name above a whisper he'll get you (laughs) On
1: certain nights, when the moon is full, he's out there stalking in the woods.
0: fully with things beyond your control.
1: 248 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with a gentleman that I honestly never thought I would have the opportunity to sit here and have a conversation with. Um, I already, we're on podcast time right now, so I already released the Tom Candela episode. Then there's you, and then next coming up will be Gary Sales. Um, so People that are listening probably heard a little bit of these stories, but I do not care. I will repeat myself because I'm speaking to a different person. And it, it sounds really cheesy and cliche, but it really honestly, from a certain place within me, it's actually an honor to be speaking with you. It really is because since I was six years old, You've been in 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 my brain, All right? and I'm 46. So I'm without further <laughs> without further ado, yes. Paul Ellers, also known as Madman Mars from one of my favorite cult horror classic movies, Madman. Welcome, wow.
0: my friend. Thank you, James. Wow, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I am especially honored myself because of how much it means to you. And I was like the first horror movie you saw. Yes. Yes. Well, not the first horror movie
1: that I saw, I don't think, but absolutely one of the first, probably. Um, I don't remember the first, but the reason why it stands out is because Madman was definitely The first horror movie that I saw in a movie theater.
0: Well, that's a big deal.
1: And I was alone and six years old. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, man.
0: Formula. It's like, you know, if I really didn't like my kid (laughs) (laughs) and they were six, I've got here, buy some popcorn, go to this movie and have a wonderful time. Yes. And and I I did. did. Oh, my God. I always told people in every interview, I have to say it, because um, I was 30 when we did the film. And I am now 72. Like, wow. Yeah, hello. And I'm still here. It's like you oh. are. It's getting harder and harder to get up the tree, I will say. <laughs> All right. Now I kind of I, I sit at the base of the tree <laughs> and I listen real careful, you know? Or sometimes I have forest and woodland animals. They come to me and they say, Mr. Mars, I think someone just called your name. And I go, thank you. And I kill them. But that's how I get my food. Nice. You know? A lot of squirrels, some chipmunks. Uh Last year I had a raccoon. Nice. Have you ever come across a groundhog or a woodchuck? Uh, no, they don't come too close. They stay in the hole. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, no, it, it's, you know, hey, it's been a long run and it's been wonderful. But the thing I was going to say is that when I did the film and I was 30 and we shot, many people know, only at night, only at night, which is a challenge, you sure. know, because we went beyond our original schedule. We went into December. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And I remember running out and buying Christmas gifts uh, in the West village that year, very quickly. You know, I had to go and gather everything up and um, now we went long on the film and during the whole thing, I, I could not get a sense of how scary it was. I mean, I was trying to be, you know, uh, as looming and as frightening as I could manifest, right? But a lot of it, of course, is up to Joe and the way he shot it and the actors. And I knew after seeing it that he shot it very well. Yeah, Jim, who shot it, it looks a lot better than other low-budget horror movies. Absolutely. It had had a great look. It had um, great production values. Uh, The lighting worked that that blue nighttime lighting was very eerie yeah. um, the actors did you know they did a lot and they showed a lot of terror and some of them screamed more than others you know but but that's okay and but what i didn't get was the sense and i talk about this a lot of was it scary so when i finally did a convention which was Kevin Clement at uh, Chiller. And I had gone to Chiller for years because I'm an artist and I collect art. I collect models and not so much anymore. But when I was a kid, I had all the Aurora monster models, you know, my friends. Uh Most guys in Hollywood today who are near my age had the same stuff when we were kids, you know. And but we had the advantage as children of seeing these films, like for for me, the movies of the 50s, I saw in the theaters. So when William Castle did his films and wanted to scare you with House on Haunted Hill or 13 Ghosts or any of them, we were kids and we were impressionable. And some films certainly were more frightening. What I wanted to know was, did Mad Men have any effect on an audience? And of course, you know, grown people, they wind up screaming at the right place, you know, and guys are out on dates with their girlfriends and you hear screams. But I wanted to know the fear level of the movie. And it wasn't really till Kevin Clement gave me a chance at Chiller to get a table and to do a show and suddenly all these people like yourself started showing up and saying, when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it scared the shit out of them. And I was thrilled about that. Of I, course. Was, I was just so happy that meant it worked. You yeah. know, my friends at the time that were horror guys, you know, everybody was polite. You know, they said, well, you know, it looks good and the shots are great and the music, you know, but. I couldn't get I couldn't get that fear thing. Right. From from people my age. Right. Yeah. But you are a testament. Well, well, yeah, well,
1: I'll tell you my experience. Absolutely. Um, For me, I don't know what it is about me. Um, I don't I don't scare very easily. I just, I just don't. The, the movie that scared me obviously the most as a kid was The Exorcist because that movie is ridiculous. Everybody, everybody, everybody. My daughter watches it. She's like, Dad, this isn't even scary. She has a potty mouth. That's it. That's what she tells me. I'm like, There's something wrong with you. I don't know how you're not scared. She just looks at it. She's like, It's not scary. She just has a terrible mouth. <laughs> That's my daughter. So, um, so I. I, it's, it's very crazy How I couldn't tell you What I ate for dinner yesterday But I could tell you Exactly what I felt And what I was watching In the back of that movie theater In Canarsie in Brooklyn um, It's very weird How it sticks out so vividly um, I remember sitting back there um, The thing that I think Scared me the most Or just gave me this uncomfortable uneasy feeling was when max is telling the story of madman and there's the whole the, the the family being killed yes and when and when you it's it's the way it's shot it's the shadows it's the music it's when when the camera is panning on you with your boots and the axe walking in the hallway and it's like boom boom yeah. boom yeah. Yeah. that scene like i've 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 seen the movie i don't i could paul i couldn't tell you how many times dozens and dozens and dozens of times every single time i see that part obviously it doesn't scare me anymore but it reminds me of that uneasy feeling as a little kid still to this day because it's super effective. That right. when Richie looks up in the tree and you kind of see you and your hair is blowing, you kind of camouflage, but you could subtly see you. That's also the whole camera work in the shadows. That was very uneasy. And when Ellie fucking hides in the damn refrigerator, I'm I'm putting myself in her shoes. I'm like, first of all, Stupid move because if he opens the door, you're dead. So you're insane for doing that. But I'm putting myself in her shoes. I would be shitting myself in there because there you are. You're going through with your axe in your hand. I'm like, this guy is not playing around. This guy is chopping heads off. There's no reasoning. That's it. Yeah, you're Dan. his target and you're hiding in the damn refrigerator. So I was scared for her as a kid during that part, too. So there yes. was there wow. was there, there was definitely some scenes where I would be nervous. But overall, I can't say that I was like scared, scared, because I always I, I don't know where it came from. I grew up on horror movies. I was surrounded by it for some reason. And you live in Brooklyn. Come from I- Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. It's like 1980. I'm walking the 19. Well, actually, I have to say, this is coming out in February, but when in the beginning of February. But this is basically a three-part series commemorating the 40-year anniversary because it came out 40 years ago this year, New Year's Day. Uh huh. Uh, According according to Wikipedia and Gary
0: Sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the first movie preview on January 1st, and I was at a friend's house. Uh-huh. And we were putting away alcohol and, and somebody said, wow, it's mad, it's mad. And I went, wow, look at this, you know, yeah. and we were the first preview, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. So, I mean, it stuck with me. And I mean, we spoke on the phone the last couple of days and I'll tell you this. I don't think I've mentioned, I might've mentioned it with Gary or Tom. I, I don't remember, but it doesn't make a difference. Um, it's, it's funny how that was my first movie in a theater, the first horror movie in a movie theater, and I met Steve with my friend Mike Scandato. He's a huge horror fan, and he was always going to, I always see him on Facebook at pictures of conventions and stuff. And I always thought, I was like, oh, I got to make it to one of those one day. And I started going to conventions late, you know, considering, you know, I'm 46, maybe like the last seven years I've been going. And he called me up and he told because he knew how much of a fan of Batman I was. And he even said, he was like, uh, Paul Ellis is going to be a chiller. And I'm like, no way. So I made it my business. That was the first convention I ever went to. And I, I, I looked at the, the, the program, like where, what room people are in, whatever. I didn't care about nobody else. And I was like, All right, "Where's Paul?" And I went right to you. You were the first person I met at my first convention as well. Wow! wow. Yeah, yeah, great. I know. Oh, and you right. were super, super nice. You right. were super cool, and that's what made me. I was just like, if if because you were so nice, and that was my first experience at a convention. I was like, these conventions are cool, and nobody since has has been. Like no one, everyone's always been cool. Everybody, yeah. so yeah. you pretty much your presence at Chiller kicked off. I've been to dozens and dozens of conventions since, and you, and you need to come back to another one because I would definitely like to see you again.
0: We got to do another reunion. Um, you know, uh, re- recently uh, somebody found Jan Claire. Okay, yes, and I was thrilled to see that. You know, and and I'm not sure where she lives. Like right. we get everybody together. That'd be know? so awesome. I mean, it, you know, while everybody's still here. Yeah. You know? I mean, I know it, we lost.
1: We lost a couple of people.
0: Tony Fish is gone.
1: Yes. Max yes. is gone. Yes. I don't know. I, I mentioned it to Tom, but I'm not sure. I didn't even research it. Is it? Is it true that did Dippy leave us too? Mike Sullivan.
0: I don't think so. Okay. I mean, you know. uh there is a guy with a beard and long hair that kind of creeps around my house—a spectral figure. <laughs> be him. No, but I, as far as I know, he's still with us. Gary would know. Gary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But that was is- great. I mean, he's great at the conventions, and uh, he's just a fun person. He's a really good artist. You know, yeah. he does amazing work. And apparently, every movie he's ever been in, he's cast to get killed.
1: <laughs> and nice. He didn't make it. To,
0: he didn't last too long in
1: Madman. That's for sure. No,
0: he didn't. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. but he was fun. Dip, Dippy, okay. Dippy, yeah. Dippy. What a name for a character. But I think Michael's still with us. Okay. I mean,
1: yeah, and I met Harriet and Gary at that show too. I didn't meet Tom. He wasn't there, but I met Harriet. She was a sweetheart, and
0: Gary was cool as hell. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean. You know, uh, Harriet was great. She was great. She hadn't done a lot of them. So if you saw her at one, you got very lucky. Yeah. You know, I mean, before that, uh, you know, I would do them. my son would go with. My wife, Eddie, or my son would go with me uh, to kind of help me out because we have the pictures and the signing and the thing. And, you know, it's for me personally, this may not be true for others, but, you know, you do your thing, you sign, you do the then it's weird to go, give me the money, give me, give me the money. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't, you know, I don't like doing that. So you need a representative to go, by the way. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, I get it.
0: It can be uncomfortable. I understand because you don't, you're not doing it for a
1: paycheck. You're doing it because I know that you love your fans.
0: I love my fans and this is probably the biggest perk from the movie Uh is the amazing people I've met. And that people who love the film give me tribute art characters. It's this awesome. was by Terry Crookshank who passed away a few years ago. Sadly, wow. he was not, he was a young man and, uh, he had more monsters at his shows. I mean, I used to admire his stuff on his table every time. And, um, when he did that man? He usually did him with darker hair, and when I knew he was going to make me one, I said, "Terry, could you give him like white hair?" Because he really had that. The film, yeah. you know. So, but I was fortunate enough to get he gifted that to me at a show, wow. and we have pictures of me with him and holding it. I've gotten. Uh, we lost uh, last January. Uh, Larry Ryland New, who was down in Virginia, who was a huge fan of, one of the big ones, like in Australia, Stephen Emery, okay, Okay. Larry New, and there are others, Scott Spaulding, there's so many guys, Wes Vance of Dead Pit Radio, Wes is a huge fan. I think it was Wes that called me, in the early two thousands, that started all this, I got a phone call. And forgive me, Wes. Hi, I, Wes. Go. Hello. I'm sure, I'm, sure he I'm sure he doesn't mind. <laughs> no, I, he said, "Now the real Paul Ayler's that played <laughs> Madman Mars." And pardon me, Wes. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "I've been looking for you for you. So it was. They must have thought I was dead or something. You know. Yeah. So I talked to him. And he was great, and he's a giant fan. He bought a 35-millimeter print of the film.
1: That's Real? how
0: you, Yeah, that's how much he loves the movie. Right? Where can someone get one of them things? I want one. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to talk to Gary. I'd think I you have to take Gary and turn him upside down and shake him by his ankles. Take him till the, the cans fall out of him. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you pick up Gary and turn him upside down, you may kill him. You know, we're not the young men we want. Right. But uh so he had a thirty-five millimeter print. Uh Quentin Tarantino loves this film. I know, I Everybody heard he knows this, right? And 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 he's got a copy that he usually shows. Um Joe Bob Briggs loves Madman. Yeah. Uh, he was one of our first real defenders of the film, and he had his 10 top drive-in horror movie list of movies to see. And I think we were number seven or six, or it doesn't yeah. matter, we were on the top 10 list. Sure. And that's absolutely, he's been loyal forever. That's you know, awesome. God bless him, man. I mean, Joe Bob, man, he's just been great. His And his uh, last drive-in movie yes. review yeah. and screening A Madman, is hilarious.
1: I gotta rewatch. I gotta. I gotta watch that. I definitely he have
0: to try and watch it. You know, uh, he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah, and he kind of knows where the funny stuff is. And he's listened to every extra that we've, um, the many releases we've had. He's listened to like every story, so he knows intimate stories about me making movies with my best friend. Uh, my friend Kenny, when we were like 16, wow. and we, I was into horror, but yeah. we were both into spy movies. So <laughs> we would go to Kennedy Airport with right. replica guns.
1: Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> and film things discreetly, like on an observation deck while the guys getting out of the plane. And we got a character there screwing a suppressor onto oh. a gun and he's like this and somebody's getting off. I mean, we should be dead right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't do none of that, not even close to that now.
0: And we, we got a scene where one of our guys is in the bathroom and he gets attacked in the bathroom and he gets killed in the bathroom and he drops to the floor and the assassin comes out and we're saying we're children, right? We're going, I said to one of my friends, stand guard by the door. <laughs> Don't let anybody in. No. So here we are, a little kicker. You can't go your bathroom now. No, it's not that bad, but <laughs> we're in there. Oh, I love, I love. Boom, guy falls on the floor while somebody's guarding the door. Oh, um,
1: shit. Mean, yeah. That's <laughs> hilarious.
0: You know, and these weren't water pistols, they were like Japanese functional replicas that look yeah. real.
1: Yeah. That's well, funny. Do you have
0: any of that stuff still? I have it on, I had a, I think it's on an eight millimeter reel. Okay. And what we did as kids, and I, all of you guys who are around my age, I wonder if you've done this. Um, we would get, we had, right? And I had an old Yashica camera, right? Uh, Super 8. And we would project them on the TV screen so that it would look like our stuff was on television, <laughs> nice. right? Yeah. Which is so cool. And a lot of people know about me. Too. I I do a lot of art. I mean, that's my main, I think I'm known, I'm known for Mad Men, but I think more
1: people- yeah, but you, have a, you have a whole knife business you have, all these
0: crazy custom knives, right? Yeah, I've worked with Gil Hibben in Kentucky, and- And, uh, Paul Fox, who is, uh, was in North Carolina, Paul passed away several years ago, but these two guys would take my wacky drawings that were really very strange. And they would actually take the time, grind these things out and make these elaborate looking, uh, what came to be known as fantasy knives. Now fantasy knives have a terrible rep because, um, they're made, it's not a big deal, but they're made in Asia. Some of them are not made as well as others. Sure. So you, could, my knives at the time now, this is in the mid-90s, were going for big money. You know, I had the Sultan of Brunei. I love my stuff. His nephew used to collect my things and other people's stuff. He liked uh, lions and things with the color blue in them. Okay. Okay. So I specifically design lion-themed weapons. Um, you know, you can see some of my stuff. I got to do a plug here. No, if absolutely. Can, please. Yeah, If you go to paulaylers.com, E-H-L-E-R-S.com, I have the beginnings of a website. I did it with my son years ago. We've got like 18 pieces on there, six per page. And you can see what they look like. I mean, at the time, nobody had done anything like this. Right. Um, And they always say there's nothing new under the sun. But uh, I guess because I was not a knife maker, um, it's really hard to do. I mean, Uh, it's bad enough to do like a small knife and grind it evenly. I mean, Gil certainly and all the makers out there, uh, do beautiful hunting knives people watch forged in fire wow. and you can see what it's like to hammer hammer these and the problems you have trying to make it Gil used to forge his own knives in the 50s and early 60s uh he was one of the first he's one of the oldest living legend knife makers out there and he's still wow. with us and he's in kentucky and um used to hand forge back then now he does not he uses stock removal so makers buy uh billets of steel that you know 16 inches long by quarter inch thick and they they scribe what the design looks like and then they gr- cut it out and grind it very precisely right. and that's how you get stock removal but my pieces some of them were this big yeah. With hooks and things coming off them. Yes, yeah, so
1: super intricate and elaborate stuff.
0: Yeah, some things that you would wear on your arm and bolted, you know, velcro it to your arm with spikes coming out. And not only were they ferocious looking, that's on there. You can see you can see the alien on there. We did that in I think nineteen eighty-five, right? But at the time, Gil was the only guy doing this. And people people can buy them right now. Yeah, but you'd have to buy them from a collector okay. who's willing to sell them. Okay. okay. And in the day, I mean people were gonna go, ah, but these knives were like eleven thousand dollars. Wow. Twelve thousand dollars. Smaller ones were thirty five hundred, four thousand. Wow. So you would think we make all this money, and what would happen is Gil would take time to make each one so he would devote however much time he could to doing it he would you know some of them would take almost a month to do of and course. and and he would be grinding and with multiple blades and multiple sharp edges and he could kill himself at any time yeah he could yeah. fly off the buffing wheel and you talk about madmen yeah. these knives could have decapitated of animals. course i mean which is the danger portion of it So he's cut himself many times. I mean, I know he has. But, um, you know, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to make them, which is why a lot of guys and women makers won't take the chance because it is so dangerous to do. But Gil had amazing balls when it came to grinding. And everybody knows that in the life industry. And he would do this almost impossible stuff. So when you go there, Look at that site, and you can see those pieces uh, and see how many points and edges. Yeah. There
1: are. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely go check it out. So, people who yeah. are watching and listening, paulellers.com, E H L E R S. That's yes. great, man.
0: Yeah. And they're out in the world somewhere. I mean, somebody's got them in collections. I don't see them for sale very often. Okay. You know? I don't. I know. Yeah. I know. But, um, but that was a unique thing. And, oh, this is the one, okay, I talk about this sometimes in knife magazines. But okay. There was a collector uh, in Connecticut, and I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. Well, I, I just don't know if I should or not, but okay. he was a huge collector, and he was a concert pianist, and had wonderful taste and beautiful items in his collections. And he was one of the biggest collectors of any of the work I did with Gil or Paul. and He used to go to foreign countries, or I guess he was doing concerts, and he would go to their armories and art museums, and he would look at displays of early armaments. And the absolute nearest and dearest to my heart statement that anybody ever made about my work was, he said, Paul, I've been to the best armories and museums all around the world. And he said, I have never seen anything like your designs. Wow. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. You can say madman as much as you want. Go not worry. <laughs> I'll leave you alone for 10 days. For 10 days only. Um, but that was back in the day. And now they're reproduced. Yeah. So they become something that people laugh at now. Right. You know, that's a whole nother story, I got
1: gotcha.
0: you. Yeah, but there's some knives, okay. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it is, but uh, it is, but you know, I think about this how weird it is that a slasher mm-hmm. designs knives, mm-hmm. right? what mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, yeah, Yes. I mean, that's you know, hey,
1: but do you, do you happen to have anything? still from filming Madman, do you have any props or anything?
0: You want to hear about stupid? Yeah, I love stupid. Let me tell you about stupid. Um, When we wrapped, I ran away in my little rubber feet.
1: (laughs) Uh, Your rubber feet that you were wearing in
0: the movie? (laughs) I I went to the prop department and there was the axe that was, one of them was fiberglass. And I think the only scene where you see it is uh, Dave at one point is standing by a bush and yes. he lights a lantern and he raises it up and you see an axe come up behind him and yes. then go
1: down. Yes. It's
0: that axe. It's that axe. But for all the scenes, <laughs> I used a real axe.
1: Of I'm, course I'm, you I'm, did. Oh, yeah. That's how it was them.
0: back then. <laughs> you know, and I think the the actors are probably going, oh, he's got a fake axe. It's all good, but no. But uh, um, Joe knew that I did a lot of martial arts. So when I would have to get really close to an actor and I, like hit a tree, he was counting on me being precise. Yeah. Could it went off the rails real quick? That would have <laughs> been a terrible scandal. <laughs> yeah, it would have been bad. <laughs> you know, plus I can I can never become a serial killer, not that I would want to be, right? But Imagine the headlines! Madman <laughs> becomes real madman. <laughs> yeah, that would be what a shit show. <laughs> you know, so I got to be real nice, man. You know, and then yeah. So you don't right. have anything like you. All right, let me tell you more of being stupid. Um, <laughs> so I grabbed that one. I didn't even grab the real axe we
1: used in the thumb. Oh hello. I yeah. wonder where that thing
0: is right now. You know, I don't know. It was it was like a regular axe.
1: Yeah, know? but it's and not a regular axe. It was in the man well, because hands. it
0: was in the film, right? right? So So there's that, and there's uh you know the bodies the bodies that were hanging in his lair that were his family. Yeah that all these amazing looking rotted mummified. I should have grabbed my wife and the kids. <laughs> yeah. Know, thrown them in the trunk. But I didn't. I didn't. I mean, things like, even there, there's a, like a woodchuck hanging up in the basement. Any of that shit, if I had thought about it, I would have kept it.
1: Even what but about I, like the, your boots or like the overall, like your overalls would have been crazy didn't, to have. I don't have them.
0: Joe Hansen did the, the makeup and Paulette Aller did the makeup and the costumes. And Joe was there every day doing everything with me and Paulette. And at the end, she had what was left of the mask. Now, think about this. Wow. When you do a film, you've got multiple copies of every item you use on screen, right? Sure. They had one mask, one wow. mask, and I would put it on, do the thing, and they'd, they'd glue, hot glue the sides and do, and, you know, and I had the only eye I had available was, no, my left eye, my left eye. So everything I had to see was out of this eye, okay? Yeah. And this one, of course, was was taken out by an axe when the townspeople hang him, right? So he's got one eye, right? Okay. And I wear glasses. (laughs) Not anymore, not anymore I had surgery done, but I wear glasses. So here I am, one eye, nighttime, having to precisely take a real act Oh, my God. Get it, it very close to the actors in the film. So they didn't know that at the time. Wow. <laughs> you know, Joey, you might want to get me contact lenses <laughs> so that I don't hit anybody with the axe. Uh-huh. Didn't happen. It didn't right. happen. So so there I had, but the one, the head, the head, the feet, which the famous story is that my first scene, where you see me walking with the overalls, Jim, uh, Jim Lemon, uh, Jim, Jim uh, is shooting it with Joe and he looks at me walking and he he stops and he starts snickering. And never good when an actor is doing a scene and the cameraman starts to laugh. <laughs> but he, he says, Joe, come look at his feet. And he's saying, this guy is like ballerina feet. I had like these little Nine and a half inch feet, you know. They're very cute. Oh,
1: man, man has
0: like little adorable feet. <laughs> little adorable feet. So so that we had to really rush and go out and make these these fucking sasquatch feet, right? Uh-huh. Which they did do, you know, and we put and I had to go up the tree with the Sasquatch feet, which were not, you know, they didn't have treads on the man. It was like oh, ah, Yeah. You know, but fortunately that worked, but There was a split in the side of the boot. And when we put them on, we used hot glue to close it. Right. And a lot of times we were in a hurry or whatever was going on. Gary had to get moving. People had to get out there. They set up the shot. And a couple of times she almost glued it to my skin. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, which was good because when I was going. Because (laughs) freaking thing was glued to my leg. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, and and shit and the scene with the hands, okay. I don't have particularly big hands, so I had these wonderful claws with yeah. the nails, right? And they were great, and they looked terrific. And yeah, they would with the big
1: split cut across the knuckle, grabbing the axe yeah. out oh. of the and,
0: you know, but even that in the scene and in the bus, right? Yeah, when I'm standing outside the bus and I'm putting, I told people this when I'm putting my hand in. It wasn't like a Nerf axe, I mean, that uh, It was right. a pretty solid plastic. Yeah. So she grabs the thing, and she's like, out of it, <laughs> and she's really hanging my fingers. Yeah. So I'm kind of going, <laughs> and that was kind of real. Yeah. And one of the takes, one of the fingers came off. Oh, okay. shit. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, cut, we got to glue the finger back on. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I love all that little stupid.
0: Oh, man. You know, I probably shouldn't be telling people all this shit. Uh, no, I think
1: people love to hear this shit. They man. want to hear this, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so that's a very scary scene when he's outside the door of the bus. I yeah. That's pretty scary looking. Right? You know? Yeah, man. And the scene with the hand on the window when the yep. bus pulls away. <laughs>
1: Oh, when you drag what's his face out of the
0: driver's side of the friggin' truck. Okay, okay. That's that's a point of somewhat discussion. Um, Joey was setting up the shop. Uh-huh. And Bill is behind the wheel. And they pull away and the head scene happens, right? Which is, you know, was her real head, by the way. With, in the engine? In the engine with an engine built around Harriet's head. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Which is why it looked so good. Yeah. And even Dave's head, why that looks so good yeah. is they brought a ping-pong table inside and they cut a hole in the ping-pong table. He sat under the ping-pong table with his head back and they did a neck appliance and leaves and rocks. Uh-huh. And that's why that you can't say that it looks fake. It's his real
1: head. It's his real head.
0: And it's Harriet's real head. Yeah. Although I'm sure today filmmakers would have had half the face gone, you know. Probably He'd done a more extreme thing, but it was scary. So they get back in the car and they back the truck up, and she's looking. Ellie's looking at him, and the scene was supposed to be that I reach in and grab him and pull him out of the truck, and because Joey had not made a lot of harm. Joey has passed away, our director.
1: Yes, Joey Giannone.
0: Before all this happened, all this popularity. Wow. You know, and I hope wherever Joey is, he sees this and he, yeah. he can smile a little bit. You know, sure. You know, and say, hey guys, look what's going on. Um, so I said to Joe, you know, trust me, I do horror movies. I love them. I said, have madman reach in the window in the, from the darkness and put his hand over. Uh, Bill's face and then wow have her reaction we'll, we'll you know pull him out of the truck it's the biggest scream in the movie
1: yeah it's, it's I mean, unexpected and the way you drag him out it's crazy right through the yeah. window right right so, out of the window
0: so that was really yeah and you know and Joey and, and, and Gary used to wait for that scene and watch the audience yeah and, you, know, you know absolutely Bill's going everything's fine don't worry ah! <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a it's a great shock moment. It really is. Yeah. You know that I mean that that was yeah that that was so. And she was great. She was such a trooper. You know, she had to fall out of the truck. Yeah, and we had to put a mattress under the leaves because <laughs> we're not trying to cripple the actress. Right. You know. So, and what's really funny, I think I've said this is that in the fourth Indiana Jones movie, when Indy is at The bomb site. And he goes into that village, that house. Okay. He He goes into a refrigerator. (laughs) Right? He goes in the refrigerator. And I'm sitting there going, whoa. Really? (laughs) Now, I don't know if it's because it just seemed to be the only place he could survive. Or somebody saw a madman.
1: Yeah, and decided to pay a little tribute to it. That's great.
0: Madman and he gets in there he goes in the refrigerator. I mean, right. Madman is seeping into
1: Indiana Jones movies. That's pretty awesome. How
0: can <laughs> that be? Oh my God.
1: Yeah. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. What, I, what I found awesome is when the, the 30 year anniversary DVD came out, is yeah. when you guys went back to the filming site. Yep. And you guys found the rig that TP was hung on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and we we were discussing this on the phone. And you're out on Long Island, but I, I know that where it was filmed is way further out on Long Island in Fish yeah. Cove, Fish but, Cove. Which, which I don't, which whatever, I don't care. I'm in Brooklyn. It doesn't really make a difference. What is it, two hours or whatever? I don't care. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I would love... To one day come and scoop you up in my truck and go out there and for the first day, because I've looked on Google
0: Maps. Is it Fish Cove Road is where it was off of? Yeah, I think so. You can scoop me up and put me in your truck only if I can then scoop you out
1: of your truck. Out
0: of the driver's side window, it's a deal. Consider it done. I'll let you do that in a
1: heartbeat. I don't care. I'm a trooper. But to go back and for you to be, and and, and if that tree is still there, to go to the madman tree with you would be insane.
0: That would be fun. That That would be be awesome, man. I told you, the property is weirdly abandoned. Um, It's a big chunk of property and no one has built on it since the film. And many years when I would go out with my wife the buildings were still there the main building where i pull the axe out of the stump that was there the little bungalows were there um and uh the truck the truck was there in the middle of the property really now was was your was the madman house on that same property or no 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 no. it wasn't in in quote or quag okay we had to travel there to go there it was a wonderful house. I mean, everything in that house was in there. The, the the painting, the print of the baby on the wall, the piano, all these things were in there. I mean, they didn't have to dress that set hardly at all. And that and house
1: is gone, isn't it?
0: It's gone now. Man. That's it, sad. It was, oh yeah, it was a great house. Now the basement, I would go around to the basement of that house and open the door, but the real basement was in the main house on the main set. They dressed the basement of Fishcove Inn to be his lair down in the basement. Ah. So that was, that was the original basement. But of course, through the magic of film, sure. you know, I go through one door and I come out and the other thing. Right. So that was great. But the house just had a great feeling to it. You it know? did.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean that was great, and we traveled to that. And uh, you know, I don't. know. Did Tom talk about this wonderful uh, pantomime scene he does where he goes down the basement? It, there was a closet in the kitchen.
1: He did in not the- say this. He did not tell this. Oh,
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's so good, man! I, I, you know, there's this. He opens. He opens the closet, looking for Madman, and he goes down into the basement. That was a closet. That had no steps. Oh, so shit. he goes in and pantomimes stepping down. Oh, That's shit. what Tom doing in his magic. <laughs> really? Yeah. But when you watch that, watch for that. man. That is. I, that, I that, See, these
1: are the things that next time I watch it, which might even be tonight, just because I will absolutely look for this stuff. A hundred percent. That's so good, man. So, and, and I know that Gary said that he has a, uh, he has a whole script and and, and all this. And yeah. I would love to see it and have, maybe have you have a cameo in it. Or, you know, I mean, that would be so awesome, man. I would love so, to see a reboot.
0: In truth, there are a couple of scripts. Um, there's Gary's that we worked on with Gary. And then <clears throat> my son, who was born during the filming, Everybody knows the story. Uh My son, Jonathan. Okay. He is as old as the film. Whatever anniversary the film is, that's his age, right? And um, he's a screenwriter. He's out in in Hollywood now. And he's writing a lot of projects and, you know, still trying to get things off the ground. Uh, The one plug I will give, folks, is that he did an independent film that is on Amazon that had, I can't even tell you the budget. It was very low. All but right. it was filmed on our, from my friend Jim Grillo from Northshire Farms that has a, uh, a farm, a working farm in upstate New York on Route 20. Okay, And it's like four or five hours up. And <clears throat> when my son was a baby, not exactly a baby, but when he was young, Jim is very much like Jeremiah Johnson, and Jim would go out in the woods and he would hunt and he would collect mushrooms and and he was amazing in the woods, you know. And he taught my son a lot of stuff about survival, and we would go up with him and he would he taught John to shoot and I taught John to shoot. And this farm was where my son basically grew up uh, whenever we could go upstate. So. Um, we decided to film the movie on Jimmy's farm and we used the farm as a set and we actually stayed there. The actors stayed in a motel just half a mile away to just make life a little easier for them. But, but at the time, my my son's company was called Lone Shark Studios, L-O-N-E, Lone Shark. And it was, uh, it was, uh, Jason Radspinner and Patrick Perkins, Ward Perkins, they worked together as uh, co-directors, co-producers. The three of them did it together, and uh, and but John did a lot of the the directing with the actors apparently. Yeah. But they shot at The three of them all did it. John cut it, uh, scored it. John plays guitar. This was really a homegrown production that they really made on their own they had some color timing help later some things like that and uh it's available and what's it called it's called ink and steel ink and steel okay s-t-e-e-l ink ampersand and steel and it's on amazon okay and it's kind of a throwback to uh Older dramas where there's a lot of personal conflict and uh it's not it's not fast and furious. Let me just say right. yeah, I'm not a fan of fast and the furious anyway. Now, there is action, but just be patient. Right. Be patient. It's all about relationships mm-hmm. and what happens when someone who is a former soldier for the mob who's basically retired, uh is asked by a grandmother in the family to protect her grandson. And what happens in the story is, I can say this, um, uh, the father was at one time part of the five families in the city, and yeah. he was the head of a huge family. And the uh, the, the feds were after this man forever.
1: Sure. And
0: eventually, he, he screws up and they put him away in prison. And he's in for, like, life. And he has two sons. One son he's been grooming to take his physician, the older boy. And the young son, who's kind of a black sheep of the family, who wants to be a writer, he wants to be a poet, he wants to be an artist, he takes drugs. He's in college in upstate New York. And the other members of the fi- the families, they want to make sure that these boys are not groomed and put in a position. So they put out a hit on these boys. Gotcha. And the one the one boy is protected because he's in the city. Sure. Of the other soldiers. But the other boy is in college in upstate New York. Right. So the family, the mother, asks this guy who's a retired, very close to the family. He's like part Polish, part Irish, but he was a very close uh uh, very close to the original, uh, the original Don back in the day, okay. and the Don loved him, and but he's retired now. He's asked to come out of retirement to go get this boy, and bring the boy safely back to New York City. Huh. So that's the premise. But very they cool. hide out. They hide out. The character Michael takes him to a farm that used to belong to the family. And like many guys, many Italians know in New York, my friends too, yeah. people always had a hunting lodge upstate.
1: Of course.
0: <laughs> right? And we'd always go with my uncle and we'd go with uncles and we'd go deer hunting and shit and drink a lot and carry on. So <laughs> this family had a, a lodge up, upstate, a house, and it's being rented to this single mom with her son. And she's doing a farmer's market in New York and she's trying to get by. And one night, This guy, Michael, this older man, this soldier, shows up with the kid from college who's on drugs and tells her we have to stay here. And she's like, what the? (laughs) And it goes from there. But I will tell you that the guys that are out to get the boy, they show up and it gets very interesting. I did all the, the armor stuff for the movie. I, I did all the gun work, and I ordered the guns. There's a long story. that. Nobody got shot, thank God. Thank God. But no, 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 but I was the armorer on the film, and I have a very small scene. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you. I'm, I play a local guy in a scene, okay. and if anybody rents this and watches it, look for the scene in the barbershop. That's me.
1: So I I, I will absolutely rent it and I absolutely will watch it. Ink and steel on Amazon. Ink
0: and steel on Amazon. And like I say, wait for you know, let it pay off. It it gets to the one. But we had things happen that that were just, you know, since your audience is gonna love this shit. Uh Um we had all these old cars on set. And when the mob shows up from the city, we're thinking, Oh great, we have like a a nineteen ninety seven Toyota. The <laughs> guys are going to pull pull up in these cars. So we went to to uh, Ithaca, right? Okay. Ithaca. My, I'm getting old. We went to one of the local towns that's a little bit away, and we went to a high end car dealership. And John and Patrick went to talk to the Italian owner of this high end car dealership, and the guy was great. And they said. Sir, we can give you a credit at the end of the movie, but could we use like the highest end Cadillac and Chrysler that you've got on the lot? These white vehicles, right? So he said, yes. And they said, we're only going to use them for two days. And he goes, I'll tell you what, boys, don't worry about it. You bring them back on Monday. You leave the candle of under the car and try not to break it up. So we're like, try to break it up. It's like, holy shit. So these guys loan us these cars. So in the scene where the gang shows up, they're in really high-end cars. Yeah. Cars. Wow. Now, my son is in that scene briefly. My son, John plays one of the guys. I think um, I recently became friends with your son on Facebook. Yeah. Jonathan Ehlers, man. Yeah. I mean, it's worth taking a look at this because it's been, been on Amazon a while now. and uh it's gotten good word of mouth it's really a very good film but if you want instant explosions and shit no no right gotta give it time sure Uh, and oh the other cool thing is one of my knives is in the movie there you Uh, go i did a thing called i called it at the time a ninja bowie i did the first one with gil heaven and ninja now is such a passe name but what i did is, is at the time i said if a ninja had a knife as big as a bowie knife, and it's not a katana, and it's not a wakazashi, and it's not a tanto, which is their small one, what would it look like with an Eastern influence? So I designed this piece. And there was a prototype made. And I had the knife, and we decided to have the character of Michael have a shoulder holster, since he's a former hitman. He's got a 1911-45 automatic under one arm, and he's got my knife under the other arm. So he's doing his Mike the Knife. (laughs) (laughs) And my knife features in a scene in the film. That's awesome. You get to see that happen. And I'm in a little cameo, and my son did the guitar work, and and other. enough. I mean, see this movie, guys. Let me know. I mean, uh, I'm very proud of the film. You so know, that's that's his independent film. So meanwhile, <laughs> uh, we do have a script that I approached my son on that 10, 11 years ago. And I said to him. I would like to write a version, a reimagining of the film based on my original thoughts when we made the movie. OK, and. For instance, um, I am a horror guy.
1: People say
0: I'm a horror That's a guy. What? A guy. <laughs> so I was, and I grew up on this shit. know, I've oh. seen everything. Yeah. So the kills in the movie and Mad Men are really good. I mean, yeah. Really good. Yeah. And the thing with the truck, I think, is classic. I
1: mean. It is. That's it's absolutely classic.
0: classic. Oh, so classic. But I thought about it while we were filming. Every day when we'd wrap, I would think about how I would, as a horror guy, do a kill. So John and I wrote those up. And we wrote up a version of the story. And we have an existing script at the moment. And Gary is also part of that story. And Gary embellished his story. So we have several scripts right now. Waiting to happen. I would love a freaking sequel.
1: I would love to have a reimagining, a reboot, whatever the hell you want to call it. There it is, man.
0: I mean, I would buy baseball cards. Yeah, man, baseball cards. Um, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I tell people I'm the only horror guy without a sequel. It's crazy. It's, It's like it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, if I was Robert England. You know, you'd be meeting with me now in Malibu and talking to me at my house. Of course. It's like even like other low-budget movies from that time frame, like Mother's Day. They have sequels.
1: They had they had a reboot in like 2009 or something like that. It was nothing like the first one, but it was based on Charles Kaufman's story of the original, which yeah, is another, the original is another one of my favorites. It's very twisty. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I know, I know. But, but... I mean, that even got like a green light to redo. Like that's insane to me that, that, especially that Madman has not, I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you mind if I shout out my sponsors real quick there? Hey, uh, go ahead.
0: All right. Wait.
1: Are you a, do you drink coffee? I do. Okay. Dead sled coffee, D E A D S L E D coffee is one of the sponsors. You can follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you put in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you will get 20% off of your order, and any order from $60 or more is free domestic shipping. So now what's cool with
0: them, what's up? Second. Yeah. My name is Madman Mars, (laughs) and I drink coffee. The only coffee I drink. It's dead sled coffee. Dead it. head or dead sled?
1: Dead sled. Yeah, got it right the first time. You did. <laughs> dead sled coffee. That's right. And what's awesome about them... Is I said this before we were recording. I was drinking it before the podcast was even a thing. But um they have like officially licensed stuff with people like horror people. Like they have Kane Hodder from Friday 13th, they have an Elvira blend, a Vincent Price blend, a Bella Lugosi blend, Rob Zombie. They do things with musicians. So they they have a Robert Englund
0: blend. Do yeah. they put any any of the monsters on the, the packaging?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's very cool. It's they, they, they're a small company, but they do really, really, really cool stuff. Dead sled coffee. We should get a
0: when it comes to coffee. <laughs> I wouldn't be
1: caught dead without dead sled. There you go. And, and that's Madman Mars endorsing. Um, yeah. And you mentioned that you would go down to the West Village. So the second the second um sponsor is Generation Records. Located at 210 Thompson Street in the West Village here in New York City. Um, you can follow them on Instagram as well, at Generation Records. If you cannot make it to the actual store, um, they, they have an eBay page. And you can go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and you can order stuff online from them. Um, they've been around since 1992. Old school records, t-shirts. Oh, it's like you walk in there. And it's like you stepping back in time with all the old school stuff. It's great. They've been around since 92 and they survived this whole pandemic shit. So support your local record company. Last but definitely not least, New Republic Printing. You can follow them at New Republic Printing on Instagram. If you go to newrepublicprinting.com. But the best part about them is there's no setup fees, there are no screen fees. And if you have your order shipped to any commercial address, whether it's your job, if you trust the guy at the frigging store down the block, it's free UPS ground shipping. So, for instance, you can order, you could make 500 madman T-shirts and get 50 boxes delivered to a commercial address and it doesn't cost you a nickel more. Yeah, I've been using them on and off like 15 years. So new New Republic Printing Generation Records at Dead Sled Coffee. Thank you for oh, being. Do it,
0: mom. man. Do it. I'm going to tell you about records. I, my wife and myself, Eddie, she has not, and I have not gotten rid of any of our vinyl. And Smart. I know. And my vinyl extensive. When I was a young boy, when I was a young boy, um, all the shit I used to draw, like harsh shit. Times, yeah cartoon strips and, you know, Hercules a lot and all these fighting guys. And um, I listened to soundtracks. And I know a lot of people must have done this. I mean, back in 1959, I was nine. I used to put on Ben-Hur Okay. draw my Hercules stuff. Nice. And I kept doing that. I would play soundtracks to my drawings. And I have this huge collection of vinyl. And... When I used to make my films with my friend, Ken, and my other friends back in the day, I used to always have in mind something from a score. Now we never made money on these films, obviously, but I had the exact perfect cut to use from whether it was Jerry Goldsmith or anybody back in the day um, and uh, action movies. And so you'd see my Super 8 films with professional music, but only for friends and family to watch. Right. But it was amazing to be able to do that. I and The last thing I did, I think I used cuts from uh, Christopher Connitas from Rosemary's Baby.
1: Wow, nice.
0: <laughs> for a film I made up in Camp Chircawa, which is no longer in Maine. But back in the day, it was around from 1920 to 1980s. And I was a counselor in that camp. And I was hired as archery counselor and nature and photography and film. So what I did when I got to this camp here, I have a hundred kids from, you know, six, seven years old to teenagers, plus counselors available to me to do a story. So one year I did something about, uh, Indians, American Indians and the Olympics thing. And the next year I did something called The Seed, which was a science fiction film. And here I was, I had a hundred and something kids available to me, plus all the counselors, plus the camp, plus whatever special effects I could make on no budget. Right. None. There's a scene in the beginning of this thing, down by this creek in this marsh area, where I have a meteorite hit the ground. Huh. And and I remember when you you know when you have no money, you make shit up. So yeah. I, remember, I made I made cutouts of the pine trees on like a refrigerator size piece of cardboard and sprayed them like dark pine green, right? And then we mounted that on an angle like this. And then we dropped magnesium ribbon, which burns hot. <laughs> like, like comets? They yeah. had strips of it fall behind the trees and smoke came up behind the tree. Uh-huh. And we then have a scene from the back of the pickup truck as smoothly as they could drive as I get closer to this meteorite crater. And we got a crater with burn marks and smoking in the crater is this giant silver egg. Oh my and, God! And it goes on from there. But it's kind of a mix of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers because all the kids get replicated by what's inside that egg. And huh. it was so much fun to, I think, I mean, forgive me, everybody. Ah. But if, you, if you try to go to Camp Chikawa, the seed, S E E D, on Facebook. I think the multiple reels of this thing is on there. It looks dark and the print is bad. And, you know, they did it a long time ago, but it's got the music kind of on there. But it's fun and you can see what you can do with 105 kids and counselors. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) check that out, man. Yeah, man. You know, that's fun for folks.
1: So So you, You say you draw a lot, right? I draw
0: guns. I'm faster than anybody you've ever seen. <laughs> I draw guns. You know, yes, I do. I draw. Guns. Do you, how many requests have you
1: had, or how actually before I even asked that? How many, how many photos of, or how many drawings of Madman have you done?
0: I only do them on posters when people send me a poster. Yes, I do like a little caricature of Madman underneath where I sign it. Okay. If they want that, if they want it, you yeah. know, most people say, please do it. So I think on the one that Tom just signed uh, and Gary, I think I just, I did one on that. So I haven't actually sold madman art to anybody. Um friend of mine, Larry, uh, who's around here, they call me Mr. Halloween. My wife, we are Mr. and Mrs. Halloween. Okay. And because... I love the holiday like everybody out there. Sure. Well, like Sarah. And we had, when we first moved out to where we are on Long Island, nobody, the house was abandoned for for a while. So when Halloween rolled around, nobody came to the door. And I'm so excited. And I, I had this mask of this, like, horn demon guy, you know, that, that on my face. And I did
1: a voice with the children. Happy
0: Halloween! Everybody.
1: That's awesome. You know,
0: I was ready to do this thing and I'm in a cake for the thing. And I'm looking out the window and nobody's coming. So my wife goes out to the yard and while kids are walking by with costumes, she's throwing candy at them, going, Go to this house! Go to this house! Nah. I like to tell people she was chumming for children. <laughs> chumming for children. <laughs> <laughs> So they started coming, and now I get hundreds. I get hundreds of kids at the house every year. We both do. And it's not so much what we set up outside, like electronics in graveyards. We have a bunch of that. But most of it is the performance when the door opens that we do for the kids. That's awesome. I started doing that when I was... 40, I, you know, and I'm getting older now. I actually did it one year after I had a mild heart attack and I still did it and wow. sat in a rocking chair. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Like like Norman Bates' mother. Like Norman Bates' mother looking out the window. <laughs> mother, blood, blood. And I gave, I had the kids, I gave them candy. But we've gone now, we have uh, so many kids and here's the beautiful part of it is that We'll get kids who um, started out basically in carriages and strollers, okay? Yeah. And you would have to be mindful because when little ones came by, yeah. their mothers, Eddie would Eddie would tell me, you know, she'd look through the window and she'd say, Paul, they're little infants. And I'd go, no problem. So I'd go, mm, hello, little ones. Happy Halloween. I would do this whole thing and it still scared them. Yeah. But one time she had to go to the bathroom, understandably, and somebody brings the bell. And I'm thinking it's older kids. Right. So I opened the door and, I go, ah! <laughs> and These kids, literally, I saw them jump off the ground like this. They and scattered, they scattered. <laughs> and they scattered and crying. And they said, how could you? You know, anyway, it was it was it was terrible. You know, I didn't I never meant to do that. But the funny thing that happens is is creepy and terrible as I look. One year, a lot of times they're afraid. And it, let me get back to why they're afraid. But one kid, this little blonde-haired, he had to be two and a half. He comes up on the porch and I'm looking ferocious, right? He grabs my finger, which is a claw, and he goes, Will you come home with me? Now. That's a cool kid.
1: Yeah, man.
0: That's a cool kid. So you know that kind of thing happens. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, here's the point I'm trying to say is that I got them when they were very young. Yeah. Then they reach a point as teenagers where they think they're cool. Of course. You we're know, terrified. You hey, don't scare me, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then as they get older, they still come back because it's part of their childhood. Absolutely. And one year bell rings i open the door it's late now it's like nine o'clock and it's like 18 19 year olds right no costumes a group and i'm going great i'm going to get killed (laughs) and and they hand me a bag and they said miss you know mr halloween we're giving you candy and they wanted to give me candy for all the memories of their childhood that's awesome man that was so, so cool. I was so touched. Yeah. Was so touched. And a good friend of mine wrote a wonderful uh, poem uh, years ago called uh, Mr. Halloween, which someday maybe I'll come on your radio, uh, your podcast and read for you. All right, anytime friend, you want. My friend Linda Dickman, she's a poet and former teacher. And she wrote something like of all the houses I have ever seen, something, something, Mr. Halloween. And I was so touched. Yeah. Who writes poems to you? Right. Yeah. It's like, what? You know, so <laughs> yeah. I was
1: oh, so anytime you want, just let me know and we'll set it up and you can
0: come on and read it anytime. I love it, man. This is, you know, how are we doing time wise? Are you okay?
1: Uh, me? I'm fine. I could go for I could go forever. I'm fine. Well, I don't know how long, long we were. I don't know how long we were talking before I press record, but my counter says an hour and twenty.
0: An hour and 20. Well, let's see. It's probably about an hour and 10 recorded. You know, you're a friend, so it's $42 a minute. Anytime. No problem. Which is not bad. Or a side of beef.
1: All right. Or, or an Well, you, well you, you, you take some off my bill, because when I come and get you, and we go look yeah, at the penitentiary, yeah. <laughs> l- l- lunch or dinner is on me, so you just take it off the bill.
0: <laughs> this is. You know, the movie, I mean... I am touched that it, it, so many people love it. I, um, You were talking about your daughter. Was it your daughter said that yeah. she just had a potty mouth? Yeah. I mean, really? I think kids nowadays are so much different, man. I don't understand. You know, when I was like 10, the movie I always talk about that scared me when I was little, and many people who remember, was The Haunting. Robert was the Haunted Hill House. And when that door starts buckling, yeah. and bam, bam, the yeah. pounding, that movie, everybody I know was frightened by that film. Yeah. And you never saw a damn thing.
1: Yeah. The there's not. Yeah, they don't make movies like that anymore. I think the kids are overly, they're desensitized. Des- yeah. there's, there's a few movies... <laughs> you know, that stick out for me that, that that made me feel very, very uneasy as a kid Like, obviously You know, there's those parts in Madman. Men There's these, The Exorcist You know a movie creeped me out And it still is a very uneasy movie And I wouldn't even know if you would actually call it A quote-unquote horror movie It's more of a ghost story But The Changeling Oh, yeah That oh, movie yeah. with George C. Scott That movie oh, is it's a wonderful creepy, creepy yeah. vibe to it But, but I, I will say over the last several years, the movie, because at this point, it's like, I, I can watch Blood Guts. It doesn't faze me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But the movie that left me, when the credits started rolling, I sat there and I looked over at my girlfriend, who's the same exact way with me, Sahara all day long. And we both looked at each other and we were like, I don't feel right. Like, I just don't feel right. And that was the movie Hereditary.
0: Oh. I got to tell you, my son, Jonathan, called me when he saw Hereditary. Incredible and movie. He said, Dad, you and Eddie have to watch this film. The guy is like, I don't know where he got this stuff from. Right. Ari Aster is the director. Ari Aster. And I watched it, and I was enthralled with Yeah. I still say to this day, you know, and then I watched it a second time and it was a little different. There was something about the first time. Yes. When when the boy is in the classroom and he hit on something that was so terrifying. Yeah. And I don't get scared, man. I just right now. I mean, I go into haunted houses and shit. And the yeah. End, that's another story. But but something he did with that film.
1: Yeah. Brilliantly made.
0: was so brilliantly done. Yeah. Absolutely true. And I like The Witch, too. The Witch. I didn't see it. See The Witch. I've heard of all about it, but I just have not seen it yet. Please see that. I will. It's in that vein of... That weird occult, weird, dark... remarkably done film that's dark. And it also gives you... It's really good. And yeah. it's the actress that was in The Queen's Gambit, and she is so good in it. You know, awesome. another movie, um, I love The Exorcist, no question. And uh, the second one, and but Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3? Well, the Exorcist I 2 love, you can forget about. The 3 is great. I love 3. Me too. And I My son and I both do. And I have it like on Blu-ray and I'll show it to people for the first Mm -hmm. time. And of course, Blatty directed that. And I personally think it's very creepy. And it absolutely is. Yeah, very moody, you know. And and my son always has me do George C. Scott because there's a scene (laughs) where they come in the room with him and they ask him if he needs any help. And he goes, we're fine. (laughs) (laughs) But... Stuff in that movie, he was so good, yeah. And 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 oh god, I'm gonna forget his name, which is not cool. Oh, oh, oh god, help me out, man. The oh. guy that what Taris Brad Durf, oh, Bra- oh, absolutely, thank you, man. Wolf Blu- over Lo- the cuckoo's nest, yeah, of course. Brad Durf enf- in that role when he was talking as the demon, has yeah was one of probably I'm saying as an actor now and as a horror person one of the most chilling chilling yeah. acting jobs I have ever seen in my life yeah okay. man okay and he was that good yeah. I and mean, exorcist 3 for me is it should be the exorcist and then the third film
1: absolutely 2 is like a wash 2 is just absolutely yeah ridiculous.
0: but 3 wow yeah. And to this day, it's one of my favorites. And, you know, and I was fortunate enough at one of the shows we did in Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> I've told the story, but people like to hear it. They can watch Madman. You know, you want to see, go watch the movie. But <laughs> we were at the convention, and at that convention was Linda Blair, me, and a shitload of other people, and Michael Madsen, right? Awesome. I like Michael Madsen, of course. Michael Madsen. So they set up for us. One of the last drive-ins was across the river, uh, and in I think it was Indiana. They're gonna kill me if I'm wrong, but it was a drive-in theater, and they had a showing of. You talk about trying to live up to something. It was The Exorcist and Madman. Wow! Holy shit! Right? So. (laughs) So. So we're going to do the show, and you know, and I've I've always loved Linda Blair, man. I just think she's wonderful, and you know, I think she's a lot better than the role she gets. And I think, and what she's doing now to save dogs is yeah. very noble and, and wonderful. But she was on the bill to show up at the drive-in with Madman, with me, Linda Blair, and Michael Nets. We're all going to this drive-in theater, right. okay. So they rent this white stretch limo and we're like, oh, cool. my son's with us, you know, and we get in this limousine and we're driving across the bridge and we get to this theater and it's like an old style driving theater. And there's there's the marquee and the madman and the exorcist. And they start driving down the dirt road to to get to the thing. And Linda says to the driver, open a window. And he's like, well, I'm not supposed to open the window. So she gets up and she perches on the door Uh and holds on to the car to say hi to the fans. And she says, Michael, Paul, hold my legs. (laughs) (laughs) Holding on to her. She's hanging out the window, grabbing hands. They're trying to pull her out of the car. And we're going to get back. You know, and. And the funny part, here's the, the part I love about this story, is that so we're, they set up tables for us, like folding tables, on the outside of the concession stand, and it's the first time in my life I ever had a deep fried Twinkie. Okay, I've never had one. Okay, you got to go out there; they have not And you, if you're diabetic, you have one bite and you're dead. And you're dead. And you're dead. Yeah. But so we're set up at the table. She's next to me. Michael Madsen's over on that table. And the tables are like this. They're on an angle. So I'm signing names. And of course, I get 10, 11 people. And Linda Blair has 150,000 people. of course. Out, right? <laughs> but we get a break. And she doesn't look good. And I look over to her. And she looks at me. And I could tell she was getting like a little green in the face. And I'm, I'm going, what's wrong? She said, are you getting nauseous? And I said, yeah. And I said to her, you're not going to throw up, are (laughs) you? And she was sitting to my right and she looked up at me with the eyes she had in the bed. Uh And it was the best moment of my life. She gave me the the look. She gave me the look. (laughs) But she was great. She was so much fun and she's such a warm... And everybody loves her, man. Oh, everybody loves her. You know, that was a great moment for me.
1: Yeah, what an uh, opportunity to actually be able to naturally be able to ask her if she was going to throw up. Like, that's great.
0: I know. And and then the look, it was brilliant. Uh (laughs) You know, Max and Michael was great. Guys were bringing in gas cans for him to sign.
1: We gas can.
0: Gas over the guy in Reservoir yes, Dogs. Yes, in Reservoir
1: Dogs. Dogs. Yes.
0: They're bringing him gas cans this time.
1: That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's it's great, it's man. fun doing this stuff. It definitely we to is. do a part two of one of these. Man. Let's do a part two. You let me know and I will absolutely make sure it
0: gets done, man. A hundred percent. If we manage to get a bite on our film and we get some funding and we get off the ground by the way, if they had done the film a few years back, I would have played the guy again. Right. I would have. But we got some surprises coming and whatever. I will be in it. I'll tell you that. That's great. You deserve
1: it. to be in it. I mean, you deserve to be in it.
0: I am going to be in it. But listen, man, it's twenty. It's 2022? Yeah. Really? How? How? It's crazy. I know, man. Yeah. It's, it's, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I love Brooklyn. Most of my family was born in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, you know, man, you have a safe year. Keep doing what you're doing.
1: I I absolutely will. I have no plans of stopping. I enjoy doing this shit too much. It's not my (laughs) job. I do it because I enjoy it. I don't feel pressure. Anytime I feel like I'm pressured, I just won't do it. It's, It's I do it only because
0: I enjoy doing it. That's the only reason why. Oh, by the way, all the millions of dollars I have. Right. You know, I don't know how long I'll be around. So I wanted to give people my PIN number. Listen, (laughs) it's four. (laughs) There you go, (laughs)